Welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast, a podcast focused on optimizing health and performance through a low carb lifestyle. Every episode will bring you a step closer to living an amazing low carb life. Come join us for this exciting journey. And here is your low carb leader and host, Dan Perryman. Hello, and welcome to the Low Carb Leader Podcast. I am your host, Dan Perryman, and you have joined me for episode 85. So, kind of getting close to 100 here. It's taken me a couple years uh, off and on to get this podcast um, up in the 80s. So, I'm excited. I'm going to stay focused and get this to 100 at some point soon, hopefully. So, hopefully we'll have a great guest for the 100th episode. Speaking of great guests, I have a great guest today. His name is Ryan Lowry. He's a PhD. He's the CEO of Ketogenic.com. He's the author of the Ketogenic Bible, which I highly, highly recommend. It is one of my favorite books. And after reading it and hearing Ryan at a conference, that's why I wanted to interview him for the podcast. So very happy to have him on the podcast. He is also the president of the Applied Science and Performance Institute. Their mission is to spread awareness around the ketogenic lifestyle and all of its benefits. He is a smart dude. He has earned his BS and MS in exercise physiology in exercise and nutrition science from the University of Tampa. And he completed his doctorate work at Concordia University in health and human performance with a focus on, I quote, the effects of a well-formulated ketogenic diet and exogenous ketone supplementation on various markers of health and body composition in healthy and diseased populations, unquote. Over his career, he has published 150 papers or so, abstracts and books on human performance and sports nutrition, and has dedicated his life in educating people about the ketogenic lifestyle. And if you follow Ryan at all, you will notice that he is with his little puppy, his little keto puppy, Scoot, quite a bit. So, Really excited about having Ryan on the show, and he shares his knowledge. And he has actually one of my favorite podcasts, What the Fat. You can find that on iTunes. And I don't listen to too many podcasts, but his is one that I listen to all the time now. So uh, you might want to check that out. All right, before we get into the episode, I thought it'd be cool to share some random facts about health. So today's random facts are going to be around the brain. And I got these from the internet, of course, and the site was Be Brain Fit. And so if they are incorrect, it's Be Brain Fit. Or if they are correct, it's Be Brain Fit. I believe they're correct because it seems like a pretty cool site about the brain. So here's a few random facts. There's a reason the brain has been called a random thought generator. Did you know that the average brain is believed to generate up to 50,000 thoughts per day? That's a lot of thoughts, and it seems like they all come at night, right, when you're trying to sleep. A piece of brain tissue the size of a grain of sand contains 100,000 neurons and 1 billion synapses, all communicating with each other. That's pretty crazy, right? Attention spans are getting shorter. In 2000, the average attention span was 12 seconds. Now it's 8 seconds. If you have children, you might believe it's two seconds, but it's eight seconds. So interestingly, that's shorter than the nine-second attention span of an average goldfish. So our attention span is now shorter than a goldfish. 
Uh, the popular myth. This is something that I remember my dad telling me that we only use 10% of our brains, right? And he would always say something like, if we could use all of our brains, we'd be able to fly, right? I remember, I remember that as a kid. Well, that is incorrect. Brain scans clearly show that we use most of our brain most of the time, even when we're sleeping. And the final fact is, and this goes out to all of my friends, if you were drinking alcohol and you don't remember what you did last night, it's not because you forgot. It says here, while you are drunk, your brain is incapable of forming memories. That explains it all. There you go, some cool facts about the brain. Time for a commercial break here. If you haven't checked out the Keto Leader Facebook group, I created an easy way where you can find it. Just go to danielperryman.com. That will take you to Instagram, and the link to the Keto Leader Facebook group is on there. Or you can go into Facebook and type in the Keto Leader and go from there. Or you can look at the iTunes description and click on the link. So I'd love to have you. Getting close to about 6,000 members in there. I also have the Low Carb Leader page, which has about 52,000 members on that. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. You never know what will encourage your friend, your family member to start paying attention to their health, to maybe get into the gym, to try reducing sugar or processed foods. You never know what's going to change their lives. So maybe sharing this podcast can encourage them to live a healthier life. All right, on to the interview with Dr. Ryan Lowry. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Perryman, the Keto Leader and the Low Carb Leader, and I have a great guest today, Ryan Lowry, PhD. Welcome, Dr. Ryan. Oh, thanks, man. It's an honor to be on. Uh, happy to have you. Let me uh, give everybody a little bit of background about Ryan, uh, 2014 national champion baseball player, BS and MS in exercise physiology and exercise and nutrition science from University of Tampa. He completed a, his doctorate work at, at Concordia University in health and human performance with a focus on, and I quote, the effects of a well-formulated ketogenic diet, exogenous ketone supplementation on various markers of health and body composition in healthy and diseased population. That's a good title. Uh, he currently serves as CEO of ketogenic.com and president of the Applied Science and Performance Institute. Ryan has published a lot and uh, recently co-wrote the book, uh, The Ketogenic Bible with Dr. Jacob Wilson. And that book is awesome, man, by the way. Yeah, Thank I read you, it from uh, cover to cover a couple of times. Thank you. So uh, well, let's start a little bit with your background. And I definitely want to hear about baseball and then <laughs> how, how you uh, evolved and came and got your interest in uh, ketones and the ketogenic diet. So for sure, man. Well, my background uh, grew up in a small town, loved playing sports, played baseball, basketball, football, and uh, just wanted, I originally was like, you know what, I want to somehow be involved in sports and, and at some point with my career. And so I thought I was originally going to school uh, for physical therapy. And at the last minute, I kind of went and I was like, you know what, I got offered to come down to the University of Tampa 
and play baseball there. And they're one of the top ranked division two schools in, in the country. And I said, you know what, like maybe it's good for me to get out of the Northeast and go down to the warm sunshine. And so I went down there and that like was one of the best decisions of my life. Played baseball there, uh, met my business partner, Dr. Jacob Wilson, who's now an incredible mentor and friend of mine. Um, I met him at, while I was at the University of Tampa and uh, he and ultimately while I was at the University of Tampa as well with with baseball we ended up winning a national championship uh, my junior year uh, which was an incredible experience and, and something that was that was really fun but all throughout that entire time I was doing research I was actively involved in the lab and Jacob was like hey listen man like we got all these different research projects going on like and I was just I was trying to soak it all up I said you know what like I originally wanted to go to school for physical therapy but this whole research um, and sports science aspect is really really interesting and so we just started doing a bunch of research looking at different exercise variables training variables supplementation variables and that really kind of like just took our research and, and my love of research to the next level up to the point where we said, you know what, like we love doing research so much. There's only so much you can do in academia. There's four walls and a ceiling and they don't like when you press against it. So we said, you know what, like we start, we, we were always interested in studying our own stuff. Like we got involved looking at ketogenic diets and people in academia still freak out about ketogenic diets. So we're like, you know what, it's time for us to start our own thing and really be able to not just help people who are scientists that are in this little bubble, but we want to be able to help the world and get this information out as, as quickly as humanly possible. So we started the Applied Science and Performance Institute uh, here in Tampa, Florida, which is a 22,000 square foot Disneyland of sports science where we just like study the latest cutting edge stuff with some of the latest cutting edge equipment. And uh, it's just, it's just been an absolute blast, man. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, playing baseball, what position did you play? Uh, I was shortstop. Shortstop. Yeah. So you played, did you play baseball all the way growing up? Uh, all the way growing up. Ever since I could walk. Uh, and then I, after my junior year, after we won the national championship, it was one of the toughest decisions I think I've ever had to make in my life. Uh, I said, you know what, like, it's time for me to hang them up. Like I, I've accomplished the ultimate feat of what I wanted to accomplish. Um, I don't want to go to the next level. I've really am. And my next path in life is really to focus on this research aspect. And I wanted to go on and get my PhD. And that was the route. I love educating. I love teaching. So I said, you know what, that's the route I want to go. So I made the conscious decision. I said, you know what, I'm going to hang them up and, and go uh, more into to the academic realm. Yeah, so for all those aspiring scientists who are watching right now, were you always the uh, uh, science kind of nerd going up, growing up, or were you like, did you have straight A's all the way through, and how's that work? I I did my best in school. My parents, <laughs> I, I have to thank them for that. Like they were they were very very encouraging and supportive. Like, hey, you got it. Like. Even though I played sports my entire life, it was like, hey, school's first. Like, focus, make sure you knock out your homework, and then you could go do this. Um, so they were very, very supportive. But I always was fascinated with math and science. Like, those were always, like, mainly my interest, which uh, kind of lends itself to, to what right. we do now. I was never big into, like, I love, I mean, I love history now, but I was never big into, like, the history and all those other, and English and all that stuff growing up. I was like, I knew it was going to be something in the science uh, world. I just didn't know that it would be this. 
Yeah, so kind of last off subject question, but when you were in academics, uh, academia, um, it's it's pretty, it's all about funding, right? It's It's kind of restrictive about subjects that you can pursue. And how long have you been, how long have you been uh, researching now, like PhD wise? When did you get your PhD? Uh, I got my PhD earlier this year. Okay. Um, but I've been doing research ever since I was a freshman in college. Okay. So for several years, yeah. uh, was, was the ketogenic diet a viable subject back then for fundraising, for getting grants and that type of stuff? Absolutely not. And it still isn't. Unfortunately, um, it still is very, very difficult. Getting funding is not easy. Right. Um, and, and getting funding uh, to a point where you're, you're actually able to study things in the right manner. Like, hey, we want to be able to look at all these blood markers and do this. Um, there's very few companies, unless you're like, hey, I want to study this product. There's very few organizations and companies that are like, hey, like, I'm willing to fund this research solely right. on the fact that like, I want to help advance science. Um, and that's one of the things that we try and do now is uh, at ASPI is how do we help create and do these studies that um, we may not need as much funding for um, or things that we can do just because they're a passion of ours, not solely because um, it's a, a research project looking at stem cells or looking at protein bioavailability um, and things like that. Like those are all great. Um, but we like to do stuff that like, hey, we want to we want to do this because it's a question that I've had for five or 10 years. Right, right, that's awesome. Yeah, I spent, I spent like 20 years as a hospital CEO, so uh, I get it, I get it. Uh, I understand the influences and the politics behind funding and all that, so that's awesome. So you guys could kind of went your own way so that you can kind of research what you want and uh, spend the time where you want to spend the time, right? Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, jumping into the ketogenic, so you, you started getting, finding interest in uh, the ketogenic diet, but you also, and I've followed uh, Dr. Jacob's stuff online too. He's very much into the performance aspect right. of things too. So are you guys finding that the ketogenic diet um, aligns with performance um, as opposed to, you know, the historical high carb diet type of thing? Yeah, a lot of it's context dependent. A lot of it depends on What's the goal of the individual? What's the goal of the athlete? Um, some athletes who are very, very in, we work with athletes all the time. Not every athlete that steps foot in Aspie, probably a majority aren't on a ketogenic diet. Um, and they're just extremely insulin sensitive. Uh, they can get away with it. They tolerate it. And they have no uh, reason to try and change it right now. Granted, they might want to in the next five or 10 years when they're like trying to look for the longevity aspect of their game versus they think they're young and unstoppable right now. But yes, to your point, uh, on a well-formulated ketogenic diet, when properly allowed time to adapt, yes, we do see that athletes are able to perform to the same level as people who are extremely, are higher carbohydrate adapted. Um, and ultimately, you're starting to see a lot of those transitions. Now. You're starting to see, I get reached out to by a lot of different athletes, and they're like, hey, I've switched over to a kid. And these are like high-profile people, MMA, even baseball, football, because they're like, hey, I'm, I'm not only in this, especially in MMA and football, I'm not only doing this to try and help. I need, obviously, I need to perform uh, or else they won't get paid, right? Their paycheck is dependent upon them performing right. on Sunday or winning a fight. 
but I also want to make sure I can do this for the next five years. Or I also want to make sure after I retire, I'm not just this mush and I can actually spend time with my family because my brain is so destroyed. Like I want to be able to protect this and be able to perform. And so that's really where you're starting to see a lot of athletes jump on board. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. Where do you think we are in the timeline of uh, the ketogenic diet. So, you know, zero being the beginning of history and uh, 10 being everybody knows it and understands the benefits. Are we at the leading edge right now? Where are we? You know, that's a really great question. I've never gotten asked that before, but I would honestly say we're probably about, I'd say 60 to 70%. I think there's a lot more people and a lot more ways for this to get out. I think it's as far as time, like, yeah, this has been around for a long time, but we were probably at like 50 or 60%. And then we took a step back after the whole low fat recommendations came into the, the play. And then it finally started coming back with Atkins. Then it died out a little bit again. And then all of a sudden now there's this huge spurt. And I think now it has so much momentum. Not that I, I don't like looking at it as like, oh, there's this cult-like following, but like there's so much data and applications for a variety of different things. Like people, most people come into it and they're like, oh, I'm just concerned with body composition. But like, you're starting to see like, and, and obviously the original was like looking at it for epileptics, but now it's like, wait, there might be applications in autism, cancer, traumatic brain injury, Parkinson's. Like, let's look at this a little bit more because it can really touch a lot of people and effectively help them and, and give them the tools necessary for them to make a change. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the hidden benefits. Like, uh, you know, my, my mom and her, my, the maternal side of my family, uh, dementia, right? So that's, that's one of the reasons I really started looking into it just because from the brain aspects, and then you, you get all these other benefits, but I, I kind of like when I share it, people do want to focus on body comp and weight loss, especially. And Kind of the approach I, I take is just, that just, yeah, you can you can reach those goals. And then like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, and you're going to get all these other benefits that you don't care about, but you're going to get them, which kind of makes me feel better about the whole approach, right? Exactly. And one of the, one of the best benefits, and I talk about this, and I, I want to start talking about it more and more, is that I truly feel that being in a state of ketosis puts appetite back in your control. I think so many of us are um, in a state where food is controlling us. Like, oh, there's something over there. Like, I just need a snack. I need a snack. And people are snacking all the time and eating foods. And then it just like creates this downhill spiral. Um, ultimately gaining back control of your appetite and saying, no, like I'm consciously making the decision to choose this. Like, cool, I can walk past a candy aisle and not be like, oh my gosh, I need all these things in my cart. Like that, those are the points where you're like, you're really winning. You're starting to get to a point where you're at a party or you're at a, you're at your company uh, event. And all of a sudden they have a ton of cake and cookies and you're like, I'm okay. Like, uh, I'm gonna, I, I know I can make a lower carb alternative or I can have um, something else later on. Uh, that's the point of where you've truly been like, yep, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm well on my way. Yeah. And, you know, people hear about keto and they always connect it back to Atkins every single time. It's like, oh, yeah, I, I know the Atkins. And you made, a, you made a comment that a well-formulated ketogenic diet. So what is bacon and low-quality hamburger all day long 
considered a good approach with keto. Kind of explain what you mean by well-formulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is, this is a really big point. So I do think that there's a different, like there are several ways to do a ketogenic diet. I, you can eat, you can eat crackers and be on a ketogenic diet technically. Like if, if that's all you've eaten, right? You ate like, you eat two crackers for the day, your body's going to, you're gonna be in a state of ketosis because of how severely calorie restricted you are. Is that ideal? Is that, is that probably best for your, your long-term goals? Probably not. Um, that's not a well-formulated keto. Can you just drink MCT oil all day and be on a ketogenic diet? Technically, yes. You'll probably be in the that bathroom half the day, but um, you're technically on a ketogenic diet. So. What I constitute as a well-formulated ketogenic diet is this, um, getting in high quality sources of fat, not forcing them in, but make sure you're getting in ample amounts of high quality sources of fat. Make sure you're getting in ample amounts of protein. Um, so ample amounts, meaning supporting whatever your goals are. I think most people, especially women, often under eat protein on a ketogenic diet. And I think that's, they're like, I'm, my hair's starting to come out. I'm not seeing the results. I'm like, yeah, that's, those are clear signs of protein deficiency because you tend to want to decrease your meal frequency. People are eating one or two meals a day. And oftentimes if you're not conscious of it, you might only be getting 30 to 40 grams of protein per day. Right. And I'm like, you need way more, like you need more than that. And so that's one of the things that I also constitute. And then also make sure you're getting in um, like green leafy vegetables, like fiber, uh, like as much as carnivore is a big thing right now and, and it's kind of running rampant, I think for some people um, they're, they're utilizing it as an elimination diet. But to say that all plants are bad and evil and they're going to kill you, I think there's a lot of benefits to it. Uh, not only that, but like things like avocado, avocado has a, a good amount of carbohydrates, but it also has a good amount of fiber. It's only two grams net for an avocado. And it's like, those are things that you need to be incorporating in that, in my opinion, constitute a well-formulated ketogenic diet. So what are the things that people should absolutely avoid? Like how bad is sugar for you? Yeah, I, I think, I think I wouldn't. I hate saying things are like absolutes. Um, I think most people don't tolerate sugar um, very well. I think more people are insulin resistant than more people are insulin sensitive. I think it's far, far skewed towards more insulin resistance than, than insulin sensitive. So yeah, I think add, like having in added sugars and natural sugars um, because there's a lot of natural sugars and things like bananas, like, right? But Sure. Can someone make the argument? Yeah, there's a lot of potassium in a banana. Cool. There's more potassium in an avocado. Um, so that's, that's one caveat to that, but added sugars and some natural sugars, like, yeah, tend to avoid those. Um, high, high, high amounts of like vegetable oils. I tend to avoid, right. They're very skewed towards omega six fatty acids, which are more inflammatory than omega three. Not to say that like, vegetable like vegetable oils are the absolute devil like keep it in context like sure if, you, if, if it happens to be in something that you consumed and don't freak out about it but like if possible just like hey try and eat organically uh grass-fed uh grass-finished meat are you going to eat that every single day probably not um unless you're actively doing it which huge kudos to you that's amazing but like just try and make it the majority not the minority yeah, yeah, that's a great approach. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so you kind of listed some of the upsides of keto. Is there any 
downsides of staying on a ketogenic diet for actually for short term and for long term? So two part question. Uh, well, short term, the, the one that always gets brought up is like there is an adaptation period, right? Whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, whatever you, however old you are, you've been, your body has been uh, relying on one primary source of fuel, glucose. So to think that it's going to magically just switch over and be 100% optimized within 48 hours is just crazy to think about like, hey, I've been eating a bunch of carbs for 50 years, but like I'm on day two of keto and I feel like crap. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's going to take time for your body to truly adapt. There's ways to help that process, no doubt about it, exercising, supplementing with electrolytes and things like that. Um, but allow it, allow it time. I guess that would be the one negative to short term. Long term, what you're looking at is if you're looking at whole body, what we call insulin sensitivity, um, whole body uh, insulin sensitivity will tend to go down. Meaning that if you're on a ketogenic diet for two years and then all of a sudden you go and try and eat, you, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go crush sushi and pancakes and cookies and cake. Like your body will not be in a state to be able to handle that much glucose. Your pancreas won't be secreting as much insulin as it was when it was normally seeing all of that glucose come in. So does that mean it's a bad thing? No, it just means that, hey, if you're going to, for some reason, say you're, say you're going into the holidays and you're like, you know what? Like I'm 100% committed. I'm not making alternatives. I'm going to eat a ton of sugar. My recommendation to you then is cool. Like if, 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 you, if that's what you want to do, I'd recommend to you to slowly start increasing your carbohydrate intake before that event. Don't go, I'm going to go hardcore keto and then boom, blow it out. Like maybe slowly increase by like 10 or 15 grams of carbohydrates for maybe a week going up to that. So you can allow your pancreas to say, Hey, I'm going to start secreting a little bit more insulin, bring fat down a little bit and allow yourself for that huge challenge versus just giving it a, a huge burst at one time. <laughs> so Prepare to destroy yourself. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Don't just destroy yourself. At least prepare a little yeah, bit. Prepare. You know what I've found is that like I eat, I eat low carb all the time and I have for a long time. When I do go out and eat, like I say, I always say this, I save it for special occasions. Like tomorrow, today is my daughter's birthday. We'll go out and, eat, and I'll eat some pasta or something. Right. Yeah. But <clears throat> excuse me. I fill up now so fast. As soon as I eat carbs, I, I just like, I can't even eat like as much as she can now. So is that just your body has adapted to no carbs? Is that because it's, that's almost shocking to me how full I get now when I do try to eat carbs. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is, uh, it, it could be that you're, you're thoroughly adapted and a lot of it could be you've been doing it for so long that like you're programmed that way. And it, and it's a lot of it depends on the food, right? Like I do the same thing. Like on my birthday, I'll go have it. I'll go have sushi, like legitimately sushi. Granted, you can make the argument that like cold sushi, like the cold rice and right, sushi right. Is, is like better than you than, than hot cooked rice. But still, like I'm having a good amount of carbohydrates, but like I can probably, I'm probably back in ketosis within 24 hours after that, like easily. Whereas like that's a different situation versus someone going, oh, well, I had an entire bag of Skittles and Swedish fish. Um, and then they like, they can't stop eating them and now they have to re kind of get back in the entire way, the entire way. So 
yeah, I, I'm 100% in agreement with you. Yeah, yeah. And, and my tip to everybody is if you're going to cheat, don't bring leftovers home. It's great, great point. Right. Give it to someone. Get, like find a homeless person or something and be like, hey, here you go. Like give back and you can take it and be like, hey, give it to someone on your way home. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So the, as research develops, so now there's exogenous ketones, there's BHB salts, and there's, there's uh, the esters. Uh, talk about that. I know that um, I interviewed um, shoot, uh, Brianna Stubbs a long time ago, oh, right? yeah. and she was, she was talking about just the develop. I think they were at the early stages of some of these esters, but she was saying how expensive they are. So yeah. let's, let's uh, kind of describe the differences between what is a salt and then what is ester? And then what do you see as the future of them? And what are, what are the benefits there? Definitely. So ketone salts are basically beta, most of the ones that are out in the market now are beta hydroxybutyrate bound to uh, usually some type of mineral, like either right now it's sodium, calcium, or magnesium. And most of the ones that are out in the market right now are a mixed isomer, meaning that they're the D and the L form. Um, which is a majority of what's out there currently. There's, there's uh, one company that uses solely the D, um, which, is, which is mimicking what the ketone ester is. And what, like right now, there, I think there's two people that have the ketone ester. And what that is, is it's basically slightly different process. It's liquid, um, but it's very, very expensive to make. It's got more chains in it than, than like the ketone salts. Uh, but it's the D isomer. It's the actual isomer that your body takes up, utilizes, that gets naturally produced when you're on a ketogenic diet. Now, the ultimate question, and I still don't know the answer to it. Well, let me also talk about it. The ketone salts are like most of them that are on the market, like taste completely fine. They're great. Tastes really good. You can mix it as a pre-workout, utilize it. Ketone ester, it's like you got to hype yourself up and take a shot. Right, like, uh, have you have you tried it? No, but I, um, I, uh, my my son had. I think it was uh, like pure leucine one time, and it was it was so bad that I actually, it, it was the worst tasting. I think it was leucine. It was the worst tasting thing I've ever had in my life, and I honestly couldn't do it without. I like kind of threw up one time. I could not do it. So is it is it leucine? Is that the it's so so those are very very bitter straight amino acids but yeah. like the way i like to explain people with ketone esters is imagine like your great great grandfather had a bottle of vodka sitting on his shelf and you're drinking it today and it's like <laughs> some like really aged vodka and it's just like it's like a it's like a smack in the face like oh my gosh like that was brutal um and and kind of has a, a rough aftertaste they've gotten better like they're working on flavoring it but it's still far, far away from like, oh, this is actually enjoyable to, to drink. Um, but the main difference, the main difference between um, the two right now, here's the ultimate question is, I don't know that if you gave the bioidentical form, the de-isomer in ketone salts, and you did on a gram for gram basis compared to the ketone ester, I don't know that there would be a difference. I really don't. Um, what the only reason you can't do that is most of the ketone esters deliver like 30 to 50 milliliters worth per serving. And it would be very difficult to do that in a ketone salt currently because they're bound to things like sodium, magnesium, and calcium. And so like 
the mineral load that you would get would be so astronomical. Like even though you're supposed to get more of those things on a ketogenic diet, it would just be like way, way too much. Um, if you were to try and give like 50 grams of DBHB uh, sodium or something like that. Yeah, I think, and, and I, I can't remember the company, but I saw an ad for the esters and it was, I think it was like $35 a dose or something. It might've been yeah. more than that, yeah. It, it, it was... And that, that's, that's the other part. Right now they're really, really expensive. I think uh, the two esters that are on the market, they're going for like 30 to $40 per serving. Yeah, that's, Crazy. And, and, and the ad was really tailored toward like high level performance. Cause yeah. I'm, I, I'm sure they know that like the average Joe Schmo is not gonna be yeah, and that's where a lot of the data is with ketone esters right now, um, is in like these elite cyclists. Um, and that might be a, a viable option. I think it, I think it could be great. I, I hope they can find, I think ketone salts would be great for them as well, as long as they're, they're taking in the proper form. Um, but uh, making sure that these athletes who are ketogenically adapted may, might be able to utilize these ketogenic supplements rather than all these goos and gels that they normally take in during their cycling events. Right. So one of the questions I hear a lot is, well, if I can produce my own ketones nutritionally, why would I want to take uh, a ketone salt or an ester? Great question. And I think that a lot of times people think it's either or. I think they can work very synergistically together. I think ketone salts or ketone esters can be a great tool for someone who's on a ketogenic diet. Um, meaning that like I utilize them to one, extend my fast a lot of times because they're, they're very low calorie. It does not uh, increase insulin or glucose. It actually tends to lower it. Um, and so like, hey, if I'm trying to say, you know what, I'm only gonna eat dinner today. Um, and I'm like, you know, what? at one o'clock, I might have some, some exogenous ketones to help extend that fasting period versus eating something. Um, and a lot of people are reporting back that they're eating a lot less because they're more satiated when they consume them. Or you can utilize them as a pre-workout. Like I, this morning, I use, I utilize them in my pre-workout. I did some BCAs and some exogenous ketones and then uh, utilizing them as a pre-workout. I think there's synergy uh, amongst them. I think one of the things is if your ketone levels get too, too high, which typically doesn't happen with ketone salts, it really only happens with ketone esters your body will start to produce some insulin. And that's where you, that's where people are seeing in the literature, like, Hey, it's blunting my own endogenous production of ketones is when you start hitting like three or four millimoles, your body goes, Hey, it's kind of like, Hey, we're, we're, we're like getting up there. Like we might want to knock down the ketones. So how do we do that? We produce insulin and then you're kind of blunting that response. So that way you don't head towards ketoacidosis. Oh, that's, um, a, that's a great clarification. Yeah. Cause that's, yeah. I've, I've heard that question. Yeah. Yep. Um, so increased blood ketone levels, whether, whether nutritionally or adding in some exogenous ketones, there's some benefits, and this is not medical claims by any, any means, but from the research, like there's some benefits for your brain, right? Huge, huge. It's one of my, it's one of my areas of passion right now is the neurological benefits. One of the things our lab is beginning to explore more and more Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, traumatic brain injury. Those are three of the areas that I'm super fascinated with, in part because a lot of them all, in essence, stem from uh, ultimately insulin resistance of the brain. Your brain in, a lot of, in all three of those conditions cannot effectively take up and utilize glucose. 
However, you look at transport capacity for ketones is unaffected. So the problem is we are trying to battle all these different things, but what if you were able to provide a, an alternative source of fuel that the brain can take up and utilize and that the brain loves? That's one of the areas that we're exploring. We're starting to do some case studies uh, with traumatic brain injury and Parkinson's and have been seeing some pretty incredible results. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, kind of wrapping up. So what are you most excited about? You kind of talked about the uh, traumatic brain injury and, but what are you most excited about and where do you see this going in the next five years? Like we look back five years from now, we're going to be saying like, wow, what we didn't know that, or that's amazing. So talk a little bit about that. Definitely. I'm excited about this entire conversation. I'm excited about the research that's coming out in a bunch of different areas incredible scientists learning the aspects about cancer and, and truly understanding that it's not a be all end all of like, Hey, here's some things that we, we didn't know before that we need to be cautious of. Um, same in all these different areas. I th I'm, I'm super fascinated with that. I think this conversation will continue to exponentially grow. I truly do. However, the one thing I am afraid of, and one of the reasons why I love like doing podcasts like this and, and all the information that you put out is ultimately it's up to us to protect this conversation because what I don't want to see happen because I've seen all of the tremendous results that this lifestyle has done for not only my family, but friends and people all over the world that I've at least somewhat been able to, to touch is I, I love that. And I, I, I want to make sure that we protect it because I don't want to see this turn into an Atkins like scenario where companies start to come out and they're slapping keto on this or throwing their keto program on that. And people buy into that. And what happens then is they go, Oh, I tried keto. I ate that thing and it sucked. Like I, I it was the worst thing I ever did. And like our goal is to help protect this conversation, not only from, that company aspect of companies trying to jump in, but also internally. Like right now there's this huge rift between vegans and carnivores. And I'm like, listen, y'all, like we can coexist. Like we can, we can mingle together. Like there's no need to try and t at the end of the day, our goal is to really virtually the same. Like even if you're a keto vegan or if you're a keto carnivore, like the goal is ultimately to improve health markers and, and ultimately optimally perform uh, stop battling each other. And then ultimately there becomes this war and then we all, and then like things start to fade out. It's like, there's, there's places for them to coexist. We need to protect this conversation, put out high quality information, continue to do research and make sure we're properly educating people of like, Hey, here's how to get started. Uh, here's tools, tips, and information. And how can we allow you to succeed the best? Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So how do people find you? Like, uh, who, who, first of all, who needs to find you? And then, <laughs> then how do they find you? Honestly, man, it's, it's ultimately anyone who's looking to, uh, for research, for the science. One of the things that I'm big on, um, my partner and best friend, Dr. Jacob Wilson talks about this all the time as well, is we're big on positivity. So like big on this aspect, like this whole campaign of make positivity louder, in science and outside of science like the i think we all have a moral responsibility to be good decent human beings and so our goal is how do we put out information to help educate people and ultimately inspire them to take action 
I don't like motivation because I think motivation is temporary. I like to inspire people to take action. Like, cool, you're fired up. Like I'm talking about different stuff. How do I inspire you to take that first step and then create this, this roller coaster effect of where it's a, like, you're just going up, like, boom, like it's not this up and down. It's like, we're getting started and we're rolling down the hill and we're, we're continuously going. I want to inspire people to take action um, and take control of their health and put health back in their hands. So uh, if you, to find me um, directly on Instagram, it's Ryan P. Lowry on Facebook, Dr. Ryan Lowry. And then we also run ketogenic calm. So that's on Instagram and the website's just www.ketogenic.com. And there's a bunch of free articles, free recipes. And right now, like our goal is how do we help facilitate and like we talked about, protect this conversation. How do I bring the top thought leaders and influencers in the world and help accelerate getting this message out at the same time, protecting it and making sure that the information and the tools and tips and products that are out there are all legitimate and that we can really help foster a better movement. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, my podcast listening list is very short. It really is very short. But yours is at the top, man. I like it. It's uh, what the fat. And it's, um, I like it. I like the way you do it because you say micro podcast, but like some are, some are just kind of short with uh, kind of highlights of interviews and then others are longer with more of the interview. But, uh, you know, I just, I just found it a, a little while back. I, how long have you been doing that podcast? Not too long. Uh, right? No, a couple months. Uh, yeah, a couple yeah. Months. So, it's yeah. awesome. So it's, it's called what the fat, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't, I don't recommend podcasts very often. So, but I love your podcast. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, anything else you want to share before we sign off? No, man, I appreciate it. I really do. And, and I love you getting the message out there. And if there's anything I can ever do to help any you or anyone that's listening, I mean, I always try and be a resource. So let me know. Well, thank you. I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today. And we hope that you are on the road to your successful low-carb lifestyle. Become a leader in your health and a leader in life. Check us out at www.thelowcarbleader.com. And remember to join Dan again next time on the Low Carb Leader Podcast.